0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Theomatic Podcast. My name is Craig. My guest today is Ruslan. I'm going to introduce him in a minute. This is a series called Conversations in Contrast. We are sitting right now in Shalom, the mobile podcast studio. Uh, We're traveling from Seattle to San Diego. And Ruslan, you're actually, uh, one of the last interviews that we're doing, before we get out and out of here because supposedly there's a hurricane coming. Supposedly. Supposedly. We'll see. We don't live in fear though, do we? <laughs> but, uh, but we're 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 finishing up here. We've been on the road since uh, for about a month. And uh, so anyway to say if you're listening or watching, if you hear background noise, we're in an R V park in a literal trailer. Um, and so, but and this you guys is,
1: just, just, you guys have done a cool job you. with this. This is, this is awesome. Thank you.
0: This is great. That really means a lot coming from you. Cause man, your studio is so like top notch professional. Yeah. We've really tried. We spent about a month working on this thing. Um, but yeah, we are in a 26 foot long trailer. Uh, but if you're new to this series, I just want to let you know what it is. We felt compelled by God to pull back the curtain on pain a little bit. And, uh, you know, typically in our culture, people are putting their best, Face forward, which isn't a bad thing. Um, but on social media specifically, we feel like we're maybe unintentionally training a generation to look at other people's lives through filters, through the highlights. And so what's happening is people are looking at the highlights of somebody else, but they know the pain and the struggle going on within them. And so they're maybe thinking, I can never do something amazing for God because I know all my stuff. But it, it appears at least like everybody else's life is so good. And so we felt. Put it like this, Ruslan. Like, uh, one of the thoughts was like, if a 16 year old rolled up to King David in his prime, and he's like, Yeah, yeah, but look at you. Mm -hmm. You're the king. You've Mm -hmm. got the kingdom. You've got it all. Like, your life is made. Mm -hmm. And then David's like, Yeah, but son, let me tell you about Mm -hmm. 15 years of running for my life. Mm -hmm. Like, you didn't know about that. And so we found that there's a making of a man or woman of God, sometimes through struggle and suffering, just a process that God takes people through to prepare them to be used in his hand. Mm-hmm. And so on this series we're interviewing all very influential and powerful people doing great things. And so the question really is like, is their life like that? are they are they doing awesome things for God because everything's just been laid out and perfect for them or have they been through something? Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to just start with that simple question to you. Um, and let me just, if, if it's okay with you, the way I want to introduce you today and every guest on this series is everybody that I'm interviewing could have a, a huge curated bio with all of the stats and all the things, and I'm, I'm sure you could as well. I don't know all of the details of your life, but the way that I'm trying to introduce people is like the way that I would imagine somebody perceiving somebody from afar. Mm-hmm. So... Maybe even the way that I would view you, because like we've never met in person before today. I've known of you for about a year, so if it's okay with you, I want to introduce you that way. Okay, go for Just it. Just the way that, like, Let's see if we will added any of this to my bio and my one sheet <laughs> <for> my <laughs> there you podcast. Go. So this is what I see, and what maybe a quote-unquote normal person might see of you. I see somebody that has absolutely blown up on social media in terms of sharing the gospel, specifically speaking towards relevant issues. You you have one of the the best like YouTube presence in terms of Christian content creators. Um, you, you're, like I mentioned earlier, your studio is just killer. But anyway, you're reaching millions of people online. Mm-hmm. And I uh, also know that you're involved in the music industry. I think you're a rapper. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe you have a label as well that you either did or Mm -hmm. do run and Mm -hmm. so you're working with other artists so it's it's music entrepreneurship um but at least what i see most is just like reaching masses of people through youtube Mm -hmm. and christian content Mm -hmm. and so i don't know what else you're you have a family Mm -hmm. um but i don't know what else you know is involved in your life but that alone from afar is like man this guy's like a superstar in the kingdom like Mm -hmm. doing great things so Has your life just been easy and just totally laid out for you? Um, God maybe gave it all to you on a silver platter. Or have you been through some difficult things, some struggles, some pain, some sorrow, some suffering, maybe even, I don't know, you call it the dark night of the soul. So I don't know, know how much or how little you talk about those things, but if you're willing to the degree that you're willing or interested, would you tell us about some of the difficulty that God's b- brought you through in your life and how that took place.
1: Yeah. I think for starters, you said sometimes, sometimes people have pain. I don't think it's sometimes. I think it's 98% of the time when people are building something, there's usually a ton of pain and, and struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave Ramsey would say that the only difference between success and in failure is understanding that life is a big pile of manure <laughs> and the only difference is either you're you're succumbing you're completely crushed by all the manure on you or you're standing on top of all the manure <laughs> okay and that's the only difference and i think there's trouble promise to us in scripture that, that there's going to be pain there's going to be suffering right, right, right. And i think a lot of this generation and a lot of people on social media in general i like don't they don't want the process like you're the the pain and the struggle is what makes the person so like enjoying going through whatever it is and it's going to be relative based on what season you're in right right and so in my life uh me and my family came as refugees to america from a country called Azerbaijan, Baku, really part of the Soviet Union. Yeah, so
0: my grandparents were missionaries, and I, I would
1: say Azerbaijan, but now I know that's Azerbaijan. Not Azerbaijan. You gotta <laughs> say it right. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm kidding. Azerbaijan. <laughs> Azerbaijan. Are you
0: saying you moved, or your parents moved, and Me then and born? my me and my parents.
1: Okay, so mm-hmm. you you were born there. I was born there. Uh, I'm ethnically Armenian. My father's Armenian. My uh, mother was, is either Ukrainian or Russian, but she was adopted by an Armenian family Okay, from Moscow to Baku. And so that's where she was raised. That's where my dad were, was raised. And I'm not sure how much you know of the tension of for Armenians in that land, but Armenians are part of the Oriental Orthodox arm of the church and by far the most persecuted mm-hmm. um, because they're primarily and predominantly Islamic Regions. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say
0: right. that that country isn't that country primarily Islamic.
1: Yes. Okay. So being ethnically Armenian, and then you're living in Azerbaijan, which is ethnically uh and culturally more Muslim. Right. Under the Soviet Union, there was a lot of just confusion with how all of that was set up. Yeah. And specifically a region, it was like an autonomous Armenian region in the middle of Azerbaijan that the soviet union set up and then all that kind of flared up and there's also a connection to the 1915 turkish din- genocide so in the 80s there was the pogroms of baku which because of people coming over and saying that there was all this crazy stuff happening by armenians supposedly hurting arzis the arzis wanted to rally up all the armenians and get them out of baku and so my family was caught up in that and so there was a, a couple couple really 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 dark days that primarily all the men got out of there first and me and my mom stayed behind because we're more fair-skinned most armenians look more arabic and and darker skin we were more fair-skinned because my mom is russian uh dna wise Mm -hmm. right and Mm -hmm. then i'm half russian dna wise so i'm I'm fair-skinned and so we stayed behind to kind of settle all the affairs my dad had left and he was already working in moscow so that was creating a ton of tension for their marriage and so there was a lot of violence and a lot of really crazy stuff that was going on. How old are you? So, uh, this is between Like, the- you do you have physical s- memories of this season? Yeah. 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 I remember, I remember being, I remember living in Baku and us under, under communism, we would get like a bathtub of water that we'd have to share. <laughs> and I remember lining up for food rations. So what? you'd get your food and you'd get, you know, this is what you were allotted, you know. Um so I remember I remember some of that. I remember leaving and Do you remember
0: what age you were then? Yeah, what? yeah.
1: So I was this is the 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 tense stuff is like between the age of like three and six. Okay. And then we wow. left when I was six. Like we finally transitioned out out of six. But at this point my dad my mom are on the rocks my my dad's working in moscow because of all this stuff so So he's
0: he had moved he's living in
1: russia he's he's living in moscow russia yeah and then we're in baku so like he would travel back and forth um so their marriage is rocky they both kind of have other people involved and they come to america and six months into coming out here i discover these letters so i'm six. They discover these letters with these like lipstick kiss marks on them, and I'm like, Oh, my mom is writing love letters to my dad.
0: Of course, what other context would you have?
1: Yeah, and they came to America as like, This is a fresh start, we're gonna give our marriage another shot.
0: Was it here in Southern California where it's you landed? San Diego, yeah. You guys moved yeah. directly. So we we're like here? the
1: first Baku uh, family from Baku, the refugee family that came over here. Okay, there are other people that probably came from other parts of the world country but we came here this is like in the 80s or 90s this is 91 91 91 so my mom has these letters I discover them I bring them to my dad and I'm like oh look this is sweet like she wrote you these letters and then he reads the letters and they're there to her boyfriend back in Baku and so that was like the straw that broke the camel's back like he so he leaves and um. a couple months later he brings his girlfriend out uh, they get married and have kids. My mom uh, leaves. My mom, you know, she can't. She can't work. She's. She knows. She's the only one that kind of knows the language, and so she spirals into like a dark depression of like alcoholism, and then mm. just dating uh, really kind of trash dudes that were like abusive to her, you know. And then my dad is attempting to be in my life, but she's also making it very difficult. And uh, do you he, have siblings? So. I'm getting there. Okay. So my dad, I'm the only child of my mom and my dad. Yeah. So my dad remarries and they have twins. So I have a younger uh, brother and sister. And then a couple years later, we had Nastya, who's my youngest sister. Uh, so she's so they're they're like eight years younger than me. So but when I'm eight, he has new kids. Okay. And so the tension of like my mom making it extremely difficult for him to come around. I remember one time he came around and. My mom's boyfriend and my dad got into a fight in front of me, and it, and it was, and it was crazy that that like I'm watching these two dudes fight, you know, and I'm like, like cheering, fight, fight, like a like a fist fight, okay, yeah, like they're going at it, and my dad was winning, and my mom took off her heel, <laughs> and and cut my dad's face, like like hit my dad in the face with the heel to jump in,
0: to defend her boyfriend, to defend her boyfriend, to, or help her,
1: yeah. Yeah, and that was and like, y- like so and I'm like, like, I'm like eight or nine at this point, and so at this, and so my, did cops come, you know? And I'm like, my mom's like, tell, tell t- don't tell them that I did this. I'm like, my mom's telling me to lie to the police, and so anyway, this created this tension between my dad and my dad not wanting to come around because of all this drama and uh, him having a whole nother family that he now has to care and provide for, and so then it just becomes a typical like. Single parent household, dad's not in the picture. Can um, I ask,
0: are you are you or you are you guys Christian at so, this point so through Arme- this process? It's
1: it's tricky. Armenians are th- the oldest Christian nation. We didn't have a written language <laughs> until we wanted to translate the Bible right. thousands of years ago. Right. So we're culturally Christian. Yeah. If you were to ask my dad and my mom, they would say we're Christian. Right. The issue is there, one, it's the Oriental Orthodox arm of the church. So it's high tradition, high sacraments, high... Uh, when you say Oriental, just,
0: I'm just curious now. Yeah. Is that different than Eastern Orthodox?
1: Eastern, there's, so, so there's four main arms of the church. There's, there's more than that, but the main arms of the church are the Catholic church, yeah. the universal Catholic church. Yeah. The first split was like the Assyrians. And then the second split was the Oriental Orthodox around the year 460. And so that was the first schism, great schism. And so you got the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, another Assyrian church, the Armenian Orthodox Church, and the Coptic Church that split from the all, Catholic Church. All
0: before the 1054 Great Schism. Yes, way the before that. The west. Yes, oh. exactly.
1: So there was a schism first. In, in, There's a few smaller schisms yeah, before the Great Schism. Yeah, so okay. so so, it, so it, I mean, this is a pretty big deal back then. This is, yeah. So so this schism happens around 460, and then the yes, the Great Schism you're thinking about is the Eastern Orthodox yeah. and Catholics, and then obviously the Reformation. Yeah. 1500. Course. So yeah, so there, uh, the all these churches are like in very persecuted areas, and then you add communism on top of that. Right. And so then it becomes even more complicated to practice your faith. Yeah. Right. So they would say they were Christian. They would they would they would openly profess to be Christians, but in terms of like we never had a Bible, we never went to church when we okay. were kids. Okay. Like there was nothing like that. So there's when not came... like an
0: experience of like a, a relationship with Jesus no, per se no, no, in no, those no. years of your life and no, your family. No, life. no. no.
1: Okay. But when we came to America, the hub of the refugee community was the Armenian church. Okay. So that's when we started going to church. But my mom didn't want my dad to leave. Right. Even though she kind of, you know, kind of caused a lot of this. And my dad wanted to get remarried in the church. And so the church remarried him. But he her claim is that he technically never divorced her. So in her mind, how can the church be against divorce and against all this stuff and then let him get remarried and get remarried? Right. right, and within the church, right. So she checks out. She doesn't want to go to church I anymore. See. I see. My dad didn't really go to church. I just he just wanted to have like a cool wedding. I mean, because you know it's, it's a vibe, totally, like, like the Oriental Orthodox vibe. And <laughs> and in in this process, like I was like an altar boy, and so in this, you know, it, it, there's this altar boy. These other boy altar boys that are like maybe 13, 14. fourteen. I'm like seven, eight at this point. My okay. dad's not around. Long story short, these kids molested me, and. It was pretty bad in that just the exposure to the gay porn and like they are re- reenacting the stuff in the videos to me. So that was like a huge, like, like boom, like, and then my dad's like all of a sudden coming around. He's like, is this stuff true? And then they like flipped it and made it seem like I was the instigator of the entire situation. So now like the community, there's like a refugee community that's oh now, it's not just us. It's like, you know, probably a dozen families, a couple dozen families are like oh man like this kid is bad you know and this kid is Ray. gay and all this crazy stuff so you got my dad not being in the picture which probably caused the lack of supervision or contributed to it right because now my mom's dating all these weirdo dudes that like beat her up and fight with my dad and then you have the sexual assault that happens repeatedly and then it coming out in the way it came out was just really dark and and just gaslighty. And uh, and then that sets me on a trajectory of like trying to be this like tough guy in my neighborhood. And uh, the, there was a handful of Armenian families, and then like the rest of the neighborhood was like black and brown folks, and like maybe one family, right? So I'm just like, this is at the height of gangster rap. This is at the height of all this stuff in the 90s. So I get swept up into that. And that's how I discover music. That's how I start making music. Okay. And uh, this, this is like
0: Tupac, Dre. Tupac, oh, yeah, Snoop, Tupac. I,
1: I went and saw when I was eight or nine years old, our community, like we lived in a complex and so the apartment complex manager, her name was, just, was Cherie, and she took me and I became really close friends with her son, Steven. She took us and her boyfriend at the time took us to see Snoop and Dre at the San Diego Sports Arena mm-hmm. and this couldn't have been later than like 92, 93. Wow. And so I'm like eight years old, maybe on like, some dudes shoulders like and there's like Dre and there's Snoop and wow. there's not a lot of kids there and right, definitely right. not a lot of white kids there. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> you know, so I'm just like standing out like a sore thumb. <laughs> and it was crazy. Like I'm you know, they're they're smoking, drinking, highly gang activity. So this is this so this becomes my environment. This becomes like the element that I'm drawn to.
0: And do, I'm just curious if you're willing to is the is it just because this is the culture you're living in now and there's just not a lot of supervision or because of all that stuff that happened to you with the abuse and then the, the kind of the accusation of you're the bad kid mm-hmm. and all this and you said I kind of became the bully and all that, was it like this mechanism to like prove that you're not what they're saying that you are or just to like... No, be-
1: I I don't think it was that deep. I think it was just, I just, just at this point I'm just going to rebel. Okay. Right? It's okay. just this is this seems interesting uh i don't have guidance and a couple years into it my mom finally gets a job working at a casino dealing cards so she would try to get a job she couldn't get a job we were on welfare for a very long time so she finally got a job but the issue is this job now worked nights Mm -hmm. and so now i'm alone there's no one at home at night so i'm 10 11 uh, it's had to be like fourth or fifth grade and Mm -hmm. i end up getting we end up like getting into some gang stuff and we kind of become the kids that like breaking into houses in the neighborhoods like that's like our shtick and to kind of build this reputation and at the same time the lady Cherie that was like really involved in all this 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 stuff and like the elements she was in and i remember one time her son slept over my house we did like We didn't know what, like, you don't do sleepovers in Armenian culture. Like, what is that? That's weird. You know, we don't do that. But my mom was like, okay, fine, but he can sleep over here. And that night he slept over. um, There was a drive-by on the back of our apartment complex. And there was bullet holes on the room. Like, I I was going to sleep there, but there was bullet holes on on the... So they sprayed her house because she was involved with some sus stuff. Wow. So she ends up getting arrested because she was traveling and was trying to move drugs and ends up going to jail for a couple of years so this is like I'm like 8 or 9 she goes to jail she comes out and is like radically on fire for Jesus <laughs> okay. like crazy and at this point I'm like there's no god you guys are crazy if there is a god he definitely doesn't love me i want nothing to do with this jesus this is at like 11
0: you you remember having those thoughts yeah
1: 10, 11 years old. okay And she uh, just shared the gospel with me and everyone in the complex, and pretty much everyone gets saved in our apartment. It's like an eight unit apartment complex. There's two Armenian families and the rest is black families. And so everybody gets saved. Really? Yeah. It's the craziest thing. So the guys who live directly next door to me, they are, they're kind of, one of them was a truck driver named Willie. I remember Willie drove me up to Oceanside. I'd never been out of San Diego. And like, like, not just, like, like I've never been out of my neighborhood. Like, like going downtown was far, right? Yeah. So he drove me up to Oceanside. We went to the beach, and he was a truck driver. And so all these guys are getting saved. And they're, like, seeing that I'm misguided, and they start trying to kind of be a surrogate dad to me and be okay. there for me, right? And Willie would be there, and they were just sharing. The, everyone just kept sharing the gospel with me. And I remember they would, they would just be super encouraging and accepting. And at this point, but they know that I'm, like, a, I'm smoking weed. I'm doing... I lose my virginity at, like, age 10 to a girl who lives in the apartment complex. I'm I'm a I'm a rough kid. Like, I'm a bad kid, right? My mom doesn't know any of this until we, our, our, our gang member, who was this, like, 25-year-old dude that lived in the complex, gang leader, ends up getting arrested. And in an attempt to bail him out, his girlfriend tells us... The new guy she's messing with has money in his house and checks in his house and we should break in and steal the money so we can get our gang leader out of jail. Okay. post his bail. And in our attempt to do this, uh, an ex-police officer lives on at the condos and basically like sees us. So I'm hanging in this like bathroom window and my buddy, who's supposed to be the lookout guy, gets put into this like UFC arm bar and <laughs> is like ah screaming and the guy's just like get on the ground get on the ground and so the cops come we full-on get handcuffed arrested taken to this like holding station they call my mom they call their mom and that was like when my mom found out like how far gone I really was. yeah and so it was it was it was pretty crazy so all of that then culminates to me um breaking into a couple other houses and but i have to do probation now so I could either do probation at my school, I could do, I, I got to find somewhere to do this probation, um, not probation, excuse me, uh, community service. For mm-hmm. my probation, I got to do community service. Mm-hmm. So I ended up doing it at this, um, at this, at their church, at the, it's this like Black Baptist church. Okay. And I'm like just there, I'm cleaning the church, I'm hanging out with these guys, and they're just like, man, someday you're going to do great things for Jesus. And I was like. Is this
0: after the, the people were preaching the gospel to uh-huh. you? But, this is like but years. before you're like. Yeah, surrendered. Is,
1: yeah, yeah. This is nowhere near me being surrendered. Okay. This is years okay. ahead. People are planting seeds. Yeah. And then it's like not just planting seeds, but like very specific prophetic stuff. Like you, really? God is going to use you in a mighty way to reach the next generation. And and you're going to do great things for Jesus. Like I remember that very vividly. Like multiple people telling me that. Yeah. And I was like, Jesus is. What are you real? even talking about? This is this whole thing isn't real. Like you guys are crazy. You know? Yeah. And what happened is my mom got a job at Ocean's Eleven Casino, which is not too far from where we are now. And all of this, my, my seventh grade year, I'm I'm like barely get off of probation. I got really, you know, I got like really bad grades, like one, one 1.0 point, one, one point GPA. Just terrible, terrible kid. Barely got the community service hours done. And they like, my lawyer was like, oh, it's because he got the stomach virus and that's why his grades are so bad. You know, so they let me off probation. But... I break into another house and then this time they know like where the kids that do it they can't prove it but they know so they're sending people to uh to my apartment complex like they're sending people with bats to like they want to get us right Mm -hmm. and so it's like i'm there's that and then there's this kid at my school samoan kid that, that i was like friendly with i was friends with and he one day brought a gun to school and he was like hey you know, I got a gun, and I'm like, no, you don't. Like, you're full of it. We weren't playing with guns back then. Right, like, that was probably the saving grace. Like, we didn't have firearms. I maybe saw a gun once or twice. He brings a gun to school. I was like, you're stupid. That's not a gun. Then, then the next day, he's gone. Like, we just we don't see him. I get called into the principal's office. They bring me in, and they're like, Hey, uh, this kid said that you gave him the gun. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't even see a gun. Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, "Well, you know, you are on probation. You have this reputation, you huh. know." And I'm like in the principal's office talking to two grown detectives, and they're telling me that, like, "Yeah, man, like, it, you sound like the guy for this gun." This is what he's saying, and I'm like, "No, no." And I and I remember being a kid, like, standing up and yelling and cussing out the, the pro, the officers, the detectives. Like, "This is not my gun. Run the f fingerprints. You will not find." Fingerprints on the gun, and he's like, "We're gonna run the fingerprints. We're gonna make sure that you, you know, you're gonna all this crazy stuff." So, long story short, I'm dealing with that. There's these other dudes trying to beat me up for breaking into this other house, and then the next day after that, this dude shows up to school what a uh, w- w- while I'm leaving school's done. He meets me on El Cajon Avenue, and he and he has a he has a knife, and he's like, "Why did you switch, snitch on me?" And I'm like, "What? Like, what are you even talking about?" And so he literally hurls at me with this knife and thankfully he was a fat Samoan kid and I was fairly athletic and so I just made a beeline and ran down El Cajon Avenue (laughs) and 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 I'm not exaggerating like right within this window like that same week we moved to North County and we moved out of that neighborhood and I got a fresh start And I was like, it it just, it was like everything was building up and culminating to like something was going to happen. Yeah,
0: if you had stayed there. Something, I was either
1: going to get beat up real bad or worse. Yeah. But something was going to happen. And so we moved to North County. Um, I'm like, all right, I'm done trying to be a tough guy. This is a new start for me. I'm just going to be the basketball guy. Like I'm going to be the professional basketball player. I'm going to go to the NBA. They told me I could do anything if I put my (laughs) mind to it. Going to be... Professional basketball player. Yeah, what are you like six foot? Five? Uh, no, I'm I'm five, <laughs> five ten and a half. There you go, Bugsy so, Bugs did it. I'm, I'm gonna do it. But I'm pretty tall for my age at that time. <laughs> yeah, okay. And you know, no one no one sits you down and like has the like the real conversation. Yeah. Like, yeah. hey man, like.
0: But at least it was something positive to redirect you. Okay. It was something positive, okay. but
1: it definitely caused a degree of delusion. And then I remember my <laughs> my mom's boyfriend, new boyfriend, sat me down and was like, hey, like you know, there's this thing called like genetics. Right. (laughs) And I was like, what are you talking about? No, like I could do anything. He's like, well, you know, our, our Armenian people, like we're not really built for (laughs) the vigors of basketball. Like we do better at like sports like chess (laughs) and, and table tennis, you know? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So forget you, dude, I'm going, but I'm like, dude, I'm I'm all in. Like I'm, there's a, there was a, there was a, a, high school right next to me called uh it was like a continuation school and right literally right across the street is a basketball hoop and i'm out there all the time yeah. every day yeah shooting yeah i started lifting weights at the time like I have, i'm I, this is going into eighth grade i don't know how i was even able to go to middle school here because my grades were so bad but somehow i got into eighth grade <laughs> and I, st- I just got super serious about basketball and i remember finishing eighth grade my gpa was a 1.0 my gpa eighth grade the end of eighth grade was a 3.8 Wow. That's how that's how drastic of a turnaround, just okay. a different different And no more crime? Around. Like you walk. No more away crime. From I wa- new fresh com- start, so you walk away. Completely done. Still no faith in Jesus though. No faith in Jesus. Just, I, had, I had I need to change my I life. mean, I'm I'm eighth grade. What is eighth grade? 13? Thirteen? 14 Yeah, yeah. I, I had smoked weed, I had drunk, I had sold drugs, I had lost my virginity. I've gotten into a ton of fist fights. I've done everything there is to. I'm I'm done. Like what what else is there to do? Yeah. Right. So I'm like I'm just I'm gonna be a good kid.
0: You're seeing the dead. You you had been through enough to see the dead end of those things breaking yeah. into houses and all that. Yeah. Okay, this yeah. Gonna work. So when Let's kids are like
1: else. ninth grade or like starting to experiment with weed and like I'm like well you guys are losers. Like this is stupid. <laughs> this is what are we doing? Okay. Like this is lame. You know. And so I start high school. Start dating a girl freshman year. I'm still playing basketball. I'm starting to pursue music because I was on a basketball team and I would just freestyle. And they were like, dude, dude, you're good. Like, you're good to just kind of, we're walking around freestyling. You're like really good. You should do this more seriously. A friend of a friend had a computer. We went over there. I did some demos. And then I did like a talent contest. At- Threw it up on Napster. I did that no, I did do no, some stuff Okay on there you go mp3.com yeah. was was the thing that was like the SoundCloud before it's fun SoundCloud fun talking about
0: people living in the 90s Yeah man Kids, yeah, these kids know are... nothing about that
1: So I ended up winning this <laughs> this, this this like talent show at Bringle Terrace Park okay. which is exactly right where I live now right by Bringle Terrace Park and I meet a girl at the show cause I was like all of a sudden I had like clout and so I started talking to this girl and, okay. and she uh, her family went to church and so she was like hey like You know, if you want to hang out on the weekends, we can, but only if you go with me and my family to church. Okay. I'm like, (laughs) at this point, I've made some good decisions. I made some choices that were better, but I'm still like an atheist yet. I'm listening to Tupac and DMX mm-hmm. and Tupac kind of generally talked about God, but DMX would have these prayers at the end of his albums. Right. The, the albums would be awful. It'd be yeah, a content, terrible wise, content, terrible content. He's talking about just the most grotesque things. Yeah. And at the end there's a prayer and like a song to Jesus. <laughs> just so weird, I'm like, this. well, if DMX can go to church, like, all right, like I'll go check this thing out with you. <laughs> so I go and we, 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 we had a you know, break it, uh, on and off type of relationship but i'm still going to church so i kind of i get my car my sophomore year and i start dating this other girl that's a jehovah's witness so i'm like back and forth between these two girls and i'm exploring the faith i'm talking to the jehovah's witness girl about her reasonings for the scripture and the watchtower and like understanding their view of jesus being a god but not god almighty and then i'm mm-hmm. talking to this other girl on and off still going to church And I was basically in a spot where I was like, Jesus is the son of God. He's not God. And, but my music isn't clean. Like my music's pretty vulgar at this point. And this was a two year process of like wrestling with this stuff. And again, God in his providence, I'm working at Pizza Hut and working at Pizza Hut. You're still a teenager? So I lied on my application when I was 15 and I said I was 16 so I can get a job at Pizza Hut. Okay. I I changed my birthday. And so at 15 and a half, I started working at Pizza Hut. And I worked that job for a couple years. And while I'm working that job, my manager and our, like, head delivery driver were, like, devout Christians. Okay. And I'm externally processing this with them. And they're like, yeah, no, Jesus is God Almighty. Like, Jesus is not the Son of God. Like, your Jehovah's Witness girlfriend's wrong. Your Muslim friends are wrong. Jesus is definitely God Almighty. So I'm like, all right, well, (laughs) how do you know? And they're like, just, like, read the Gospel of John. And I'm like, oh. I'm like dabbling, but not like... I wasn't a great reader because English is my second language. So, like, I really didn't know how to read. And so I started reading the Bible, really. So they gave me this book called The New Evidence That Demands a Verdict. It's okay. a book about this thick by Dr. Uh, Doctor Josh McDowell. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I start reading that. And again, through a two-year process of wrestling, I finally land. at like, oh, Jesus who he says he is. He is God Almighty. All right. And then I... I Started trying to convince this Jehovah's Witness girl that she was in a cult, (laughs) which ended that relationship. And I go back to the other Christian girl. But now she's a mess and she has all kinds of issues. And so me and her finally break up. And then I start when we finally broke up. It was the end of my junior year. I finally like surrendered my entire life to the Lord, like everything. And I remember going to Miles Ahead Crusade, 4th of July. And what
0: was the crusade
1: the my- miles you know miles mcpherson is he's a he's yeah, a, i just interviewed him yesterday yeah so you know miles yeah okay. so miles he did a crusade to, he used to do these crusades yeah and so this is going into my senior year this is 2002 wow miles crusade.
0: yeah we were just with him yesterday cross okay. movement
1: is performing okay <laughs> i don't remember if switchfoot was there or, oh, or pod there come, was definitely oh, a rock come on, band let's go there. south town and so i make a public declaration of faith okay. like at, the, at that altar call I've told Miles this story before, but she's always super pumped because we're friendly now. And I I meet the, the guys from Cross Movement and then a week later I meet guys here that were like Christian rapper guys who okay. were older than me who then took me in and just full on just discipled me. Like they were really interesting guys in that they came out of the local church, but they weren't the most like committed to a local church because they were like these rapper guys and they didn't really fit mm-hmm. but they, they got this group called Future Shock and so they just poured into me man and and it was great
0: and real quick can I ask mm-hmm. a question because it's just interesting it sounds to me like at even at this age you're really making an intellectual like you've thought this thing through oh yeah
1: I come I come through the door of apologetics for sure okay yeah so and, like, and it just, wasn't
0: just like a teenage like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. you know like emotional or whatever yeah. reason like you've really like thought this through Absolutely. at that age and okay And so you came to faith by, like, evidence and, like, I believe in this Jesus. It just made
1: the most sense to how the universe existed, to what our concepts of morality are. Like, it just clicked. Okay,
0: so then, so that happens. You make a public declaration, but then the process of, like, looking at your actual life and discipleship starts to take place Mm -hmm. through these guys. Through these guys. Okay.
1: And these guys were interesting because, again, they weren't, they were jaded by the institution of church. They had been hurt by it. So... Not only do I deal with all the heavy apologetic stuff, but then I'm like, I'm dealing with the heavy, de- what we call deconstruction stuff right. out of the rip. We're talking about all the hard questions. We're wrestling through these issues. We're talking about the local church and all of these different, you know, is it a business? Is it this? Like mm-hmm. all the hard stuff. Right. I, I, got, I got to work out with guys that were basically a, a little younger than I am now. And I'm 18 doing life with them. Like mm-hmm. when I graduated from high school. So this
0: school, is like right around the 2000s then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is like 2003. Yeah. So yeah. when I graduated high school. Yeah these are the only guys that showed up to my graduation and took me out to dinner. Okay. Like this, these were like my guys, like there was, my dad wasn't there. I don't, I don't think my mom came or maybe she came really? and, and, and bounced. But these were the dudes that like took me out and like, okay. they, they fathered me, bro. It was crazy. There so, was an interesting
0: version of what we call deconstruction now mm-hmm. happening in those years that a lot of people don't know about, like yeah. the
1: emerging church. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, All that, all of that was all like that.
0: A interesting. Like what? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And okay. so, and so, I'm finally starting to kind of get settled in, but I, we weren't talking about mental health. We weren't talking about anything. So I'm, I'm like going to, to, to church and dealing with these things, and we start a ministry right right after this moment. Like we start a ministry. They're kind of helping me, and I'm just like trying to reach all my friends at school, and we would do like a Bible study slash open mic, and I would just, because I worked at Pizza Hut, I'd get free pizza, or they would <laughs> give me discounted pizza. And so we just used like one of the youth rooms at this church, and they let us use it, and it would be like sometimes 40 kids that show up, sometimes 100 kids that show up. Wow. Open mic. It would be like Bible study, open mic, or like food, Bible study, open mic. And I did not feel qualified to lead these Bible studies, but sometimes these guys couldn't be there. So I'm just like brand new saved, <laughs> 17 years old, going for it, dude. Thrown into it. Yeah. And 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 I had this 87 Toyota Celica hatchback, and I would we would cram six, seven kids in there. my high school and take them to church yeah six months into that the senior pastor finds out we're doing this ministry and this is not a a a cookie cutter clean ministry these kids are these are rough kids these are kids that sometimes a lot of them showing up smelling like weed sometimes there might be a rap battle in a parking lot where there's profanity and potentially almost a fight and the the senior pastor hears about this whole thing and basically without any notice like shuts this thing down Uh and is like Like this is not a part of our vision. These are not the people we want to reach and doesn't even let us have our final gathering to like tell everybody. Wow. And thankfully one of my mentors was already praying that we would transition to another church that we connected with. So we had this nice seamless transition and continued the ministry. We did, we've done a ton of concerts and all that. It was, it was great. It was like an open mic type thing. And, uh bridging the world between like art and church and media and, and music and all the, all these different elements okay. and it was it was super cool and so I'm releasing music a bit more professionally I put out my first album in 2004 and and the week of my album coming out really interesting thing my buddy was my, my one of my close friends he, he was he was on three songs on the album he uh catches pneumonia He's a heavyset guy, hmm. and so he catches pneumonia, and we are like praying for him, but we're also having this like, "Hey man, you got to get in shape, bro. Like, yeah, you're like you're 400 pounds. Like this <laughs> is this is not cool." Yeah, he's like, "I know, you know," and like start. And I remember like him, like we're, we're, us having Bible study, and him like kind of hunching over and leaning over, and just struggling. And so like the next day, he's like in the ICU. Wow. And we're going to visit him, and he is. He's just going through it. Like, he's not, he's not, he's, he's not, well, this is the month of May. And we would show up every day. We'd pray for him. We'd read him the Bible. He would be awake, but he had the tubes, so he couldn't talk to us. Mm-hmm. And so we're, like, believing for healing, you know? He's yeah. 20. I'm 19 at this point. And, dude, like, the week of my album release coming out, we're throwing this big concert at the church. Like, he dies at 20 years old. And so now. From pneumonia. From pneumonia. Like you know, Now yeah. it's like, whoa. God, you, why didn't you heal him? Yeah. So now I have to deal with all that, right? And I remember right. speaking at, at the memorial service, and uh, so like I just I had to deal with the heavy stuff front first. I had to deal with the apologetics. I had to deal with the church hurt. I had to deal with the why why would God take my best friend for me? You yeah. Know, it just makes no sense. All that stuff like got sorted out, but I I I dealt with it intellectually. I didn't really deal with it from a practical standpoint and so i'm here doing the cool ministry stuff and music starting to take off but like i'm still looking at porn like i'm still i don't really know how to process feelings and emotions well Mm. like i don't i uh i I could shut down push people away or i can get so harsh that like people don't want to be around me and so Mm. i kind of just wandered in in the practical aspects of the faith like there's practical tangible things that when you read proverbs or you read ecclesiastes or you read the parable of the talents that are like oh no, no no this is this should look different and that was a struggle and so it all culminated where 2008 uh me and my me and my girlfriend who is now my wife at the time we dated for four years um and so we're getting married 2008 i have a job at the ymca working at their studio um i'm getting like i don't know 35 hours a week doing like engineer work right so it's like music related i'm still okay. going to school my wife is finishing school. She has a part-time job. And then, like, the economy just completely tanks. Right. So my hours at the YMCA get cut from 35 to 15. My uh, my wife can't find a full-time job but after she graduates in 2008. I still have some school left to do. No one's really booking us because we don't make, like, cookie-cutter Christian rap music. And so the, the, the kind of rock-bottom moment, in a way, was I... I had a couple years prior pre- prior i had co-signed on a condo with my mom we bought this like condo in san marcos this is at the peak of the housing huh. bubble and me and my my wife couldn't afford to get our our own place mm-hmm. and so the first year like nine months of our marriage we're like living with my mom mm-hmm. in this condo which was like completely humiliating and embarrassing my mom's an alcoholic she smokes in the house my wife who's like, doesn't really get along with my mom, you know, and my mom doesn't really get along with my wife. They're much friendlier now and in a great spot. But it's like, dude, you know, like this is a mess, you know, this is a mess. Like, and I didn't have the tangible, like practical skills of like knowing how to go into marketplace and earn more money so that I don't have to go through that. And in that rock bottom, like we end up applying for affordable housing thinking that like, oh, well, maybe we get affordable housing. And it like those are all like waiting lists. So finally right. we make it up the waiting list like six months, nine months in for a two-bedroom in San Marcos. It would have been like 400 bucks or something like that. Mm-hmm. And right when we make it up, my mom's adjustable mortgage rate goes up. So she, her, her mortgage basically doubles. Oh, wow. I'm a co-signer on that mortgage. so the, So the place go. is now in foreclosure. <laughs> so when we finally get approved for a place, I have a foreclosure on my record. Oh, no. Or have like, it was maybe it was in an official forego. It was like 10 months of like no payments, basically.
0: So the loan you had was like literally the quintessential
1: problem of that bubble. Absolutely. In 07 08. And I remember she told me like her mortgage went from like 2300 a month to like 4500 a month. <laughs> Insane. Like virtually overnight. And yeah. there was no relief. There was, she no. tried to refinance it, but no. there was nothing. So we. Or living with my mom. And then so finally a year into it, we just scrape up every dollar we have and we just get like a regular two-bedroom apartment. I think it was like $1,100, $1,200. We just finally move out. With all of you? or, or Just you, me and my mom. Just your, um, excuse me. You and just, your just, wife. Just, just me and my wife. My okay. mom stays in the condo for like another year. She doesn't pay anything. Oh, yeah. Until <laughs> and they finally boot her. Until they finally gave her like a ca- cash for keys type of thing. <laughs> and so all this is wow. wrecking my credit. All of this ah. is like completely destroying everything. And... Now me and my wife are like, okay, we got to start doing things different. We got to start thinking about financial literacy. And so we discover like the Dave Ramsey baby steps okay. and all this stuff. And we're listening to Dave Ramsey. We're getting out of debt. We had about $40,000 in debt. College student loans, brand new car payments because we needed a reliable, right. stable car. All right. the stupid stuff. Yeah. And halfway through this process, I'm getting these letters about a judgment against the HOA fees that my mom didn't pay, but they're sending them to me. They're not sending them to my mom. And I'm like, I haven't lived here in a year and a half, two years. Like, what do you guys, you know? And my, my name was misspelled. I'm like, guys, this isn't even me. My name is misspelled. Huh. Well, halfway through this Dave Ramsey process, we had just paid rent and we check our accounts, all the money's out of our accounts. <gasps>
0: they- so,
1: so they got a judgment against me because my mom didn't pay $1,200 in HOAs. That judgment went to $5,000. They cleared out our accounts. I think we had maybe three grand in our account with our emergency fund. Thankfully, we had just paid rent. And so now our accounts is levied. We can't put any money into it. So my wife has to start a separate account just in her name. And I'm signing over my checks to her so that we can at least have a separate and just so not pay the bills. It. So they're not taking it. Wow. So I find out there's this $5,000 judgment. I can't do anything about it. I can't settle it. Then I pull my credit. I find out that there's the foreclosure, which which was eventually going to fall off, right? But in in that, I find out that there's a second mortgage that doesn't fall in line with the foreclosure. That when you have a foreclosure, they only foreclose on your main mortgage. If you have a second mortgage, and they were doing these weird deals where you could have multiple mortgages, which is like crazy to think about. <sighs> so the second mortgage was sixty thousand dollars what and it was all my credit so i'm like we have over a hundred thousand dollars in debt oh my like this i'm gonna have to file for bankruptcy like this is it you know and how old were you at this point so this might be two years into being married to 25 26 okay. any kids yet no kids okay so i'm like dude this is this is <laughs> this is crazy like i'm yeah. gonna have to file for bankruptcy um and, th- and so what we ended up doing was, so I listened to Dave Ramsey show and then I remember an episode, he was like, just, you know, if the debt's old and, and it was at that point. So this is maybe like, she stopped paying the mortgage in like 2007 at this point, this is 2010, 2011. So this is going to fall off anyway. Right. A couple years in. So I called them and I'm like, Hey, like, I want to settle this with you guys. You know, I want to be honest and settle it. Like mm-hmm. I'm responsible for it. I, I pay off the five grand thing settling with them so we end up by the grace of god we settled i don't know how this this is a miracle we settled on that sixty thousand dollars for a thousand dollars what yeah so that more that second mortgage falls off my credit not excuse me this fall we settled with them. Like we sent him a thousand dollars we got it in writing sent him a thousand dollars and then that was settled and then we ended up paying the rest of the forty five thousand dollars in debt paid the rest of that off and like 18 months. So we were wow. completely debt-free. Wow! So in this journey to be debt-free, now we learn about budgeting and savings and emergency funds and all of these different things. So right when I got debt-free, it was the end of 2012, and my I ended up getting a job at my church because I wanted to be debt-free before I went into ministry. So I got a job okay. at my church. My wife was working full-time. I get a job at my church. We end up tra- doing traveling, and then like right after that, 2014, my son is born, and I, um, yeah, and then that's kind of a year after that is my wife tells me like, hey, I think you need to quit your job and pursue music, and go do this, wow. go do this music thing full time. She was a stay-at-home mom at the time, so at this point, we're like, okay, well, we want you to come stay home. We don't want to pay for daycare. Like, we, you know, we 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 could figure it out. So I'm working at the church and I'm doing music, and it just got too much. And so she ends up telling me like yeah you should you should put in a two-week notice like wow. come 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 and try try this music thing so june 1st 2015 i quit my job first day as a full-time entrepreneur was that day and i did music for five years running a boutique label that was a lot and very messy but i was an independent christian artist christian rapper providing for my family like huh. my wife didn't have to work for those years i mean she may be nanny here or there and so that was five years of, of like finally figuring this stuff out and five years of that. And that was messy. And I'm still not dealing with my mental health and all that kind of stuff. And then finally, like I started getting more serious about therapy because I kept seeing this like relational blowout. So I go to therapy um, and then 2020, the pandemic happens and I yeah. pivot over to YouTube. I was already dabbling and, the, and my YouTube grows from like 15,000 subscribers at the beginning of 2015 2020 to like 60,000 by the end of 2020 and that's when I was like oh wow this instantly replaced my music income and I had a a guy that's been working with me since 2017 his name is Zach he's our uh, COO now and Zach has just been with me since he was 17 and so the moment I could afford to pay him like I brought him on full-time wow and we got a Chris and so yeah the YouTube stuff has been, been been really good so I know that was a long story (laughs) <laughs> yeah
0: but you know and it's, it's it's just not the stuff that people normally hear so that's really good I, I wonder if before we move on if if you could just briefly you seem like a pretty strong confident guy and and like you talked about a lot of areas of struggle throughout there but you did you did consistently talk a little bit about what you call mental health like so were there pains of uh, our parts, whether it's to do with the finances or the losses or the brokenness, whatever, were there parts of just like broke? Like you're just broken.
1: Yeah. So, like
0: things like, did you cry? Did you break? Like, are you like giving up? Like, what What did
1: it, what was it like for you? Yeah. I would say, say that the, the rock bottom points was that living with my mom that first year of marriage was, was really hard. And, and it's really embarrassing even telling that story. And then the second point was when I, confess to my wife that I was still struggling with porn yeah. Um, my therapist now he broke it down so eloquently he said you have two buckets one bucket is your ability to manage stress and not put more on your plate than you can handle and knowing how to regulate your mood and knowing how to get enough sleep and do all the th- th- do all those things so you're not stressed out right so there's that bucket and then the other bucket is like you gotta have an outlet and have fun hmm. You, recreation 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 right recreation is recreation you got to have outlets and i at, at that time in the middle of all this i didn't i didn't have either like i didn't know ah. how to manage stress right i had just started working out which is now an amazing stress stress management tool my sleeping was terrible because i'm working a full-time job then i'm coming home and i'm working on music for hours right right staying up late uh and so there was there was no there was those those buckets were all sorts of whack i didn't really have any hobbies I didn't really do anything for fun, right? I had injured my knee playing pickup basketball, so I couldn't play basketball for fun. So I didn't have either. Like I didn't know any of these things. And so the, yeah, the rock bottom was like telling my wife, like, hey, like I, this is still a struggle for me. Mm. And she, she thought it wasn't, you know? And I'm like, yeah, nah, this is, this is, this is real. And I could, I could tell you why and I explained to you, but like, you need to know. And so, you know, her crying and just seeing her broken over that was, was really hard. And then she was really gracious and was very uh-huh. merciful and we were able to yeah work through all of that and uh and now it's like trying to help that messy journey of 15 years mm-hmm. and how do i compress time for people like how can i take all of that that i learned and like condense it to a year right two years right and so it, it is holistic it is part stress management it is part outlets it is part financial literacy so that you're not living hand to mouth it is part are you accountable are you in a local church right Right. Uh, Right. so i think it's all connected what
0: about can i just ask about the therapy part Mm -hmm. how valuable do you think that is
1: so initially i went through this thing called men's skills at my church and it was actually from a church here called north coast calvary they have a really good like christian counseling department and they put together this 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 class that was like part psychology part bible part group therapy and it wasn't what a therapist it was just like, what a guy who facilitated it. Okay. And it was really, really good. And that got me on the journey. Like that got me okay. started. And then I, like, I, 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 oh, I understand like the triggers. This, these are what the triggers are. This is how my brain will get hijacked. You know, whether it's seeking for dopamine or whether it's lashing out. Hmm. I, I started understanding like why I was the way I was and then how to set parameters and boundaries to be more careful. Mm-hmm. And then like that then directly led me to like, okay, I got to make a health transformation. So I got to like go to bed when my wife goes to bed so I could get up early and go to the gym so I can like get the dopamine I need to last, to last me through the strength training. And now I have something on work. So it's like 2016 and then 2018 is that happened Then a little after that, maybe 2020 is when I connected with my therapist now. Who's amazing, Doctor Rudy? I went through like. Do you a think insurance. that's
0: a valuable thing for people? Then I the think therapy?
1: if if you have like trauma, like serious trauma, and I don't mean like you you get sad, right? Like because everybody can get sad. You if something bad happens, you should feel sad if you're if you're human, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then I think if you are dealing with like, oh, there's sexual assault. There's like like you. I ended up finding out through my through my insurance. I went to a therapist through my insurance who wasn't good. But I ended up finding out I had onset PTSD from mm-hmm. all the stuff in my childhood, which mm-hmm. would then cause all the relational issues, and you know, and so like I think having words, like having words to articulate that, and not letting it necessarily define me, but just knowing that like, it's like your mind is like a car, like it needs fuel, it needs the oil change, right, right, <laughs> it needs right. the tire change, right. and your mind is is like that, and so be, I would say if people have legitimate trauma and i mean like not someone hurts your feelings and made you sad like actual trauma yeah i think therapy with a christian therapist would serve a lot of people well
0: cool well thanks for sharing all that um i know that that's you know just telling your story sometimes in the brokenness of it isn't always easy yeah but we appreciate that and uh the second part of this this idea of conversations in contrast is uh and this isn't going to be as long, of course. But uh, I want to talk to people about their pain and their struggle. And then I just want to end on something awesome. And so I don't know how much you know I about this, but I was contacting a few people sort of behind your back or whatever, mm-hmm. just saying, hey, what's something awesome? I just like to end on something awesome. Mm-hmm. What's something awesome about Ruslan and, and uh, one of your good buddies? He said something, and so I thought, that's really unique. And so I don't know how much you feel comfortable talking about this or not, but he told me about it. He said... That now you also live with some family members, and you're taking care of more than just your family. Yeah, you're providing space. You're, came full circle. And so, man, that's really cool. So, like, what can you tell us about that? What does that look like, and yeah. what are
1: you doing? I don't, I don't talk about it publicly, but like, I take care of my mom, so all of her bills I cover now. Wow. Um, and then we have uh, uh, my mother-in-law lives with us my sister-in-law who recently got out of prison lives with us she got out of prison in december wow um two nieces yeah and then obviously my family so that's an adventure and a half yeah but it's but you know it 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 flows out of this passage i believe it's in first timothy it's a really harsh passage unless you actually understand the context it says he who does not provide for the needs of his family specifically his immediate family is worse than a non-believer and has denied the faith right now that sounds really harsh and it is. <laughs> but but the context of it is there's these widows in the church and they want the church benevolence fund if you will. And some of these widows are young and attractive and kind of gossipy, right? And Paul is like, yeah, the young widows, who can remarry, like let them remarry, like let them remarry so that mm-hmm. they're not just a burden on the church. Mm-hmm. The widows who have families the family should take care of them. Mm-hmm. The widows who don't have families and no one's there for them Heaven. and they're older, the church should take care of them. Yeah. Right. So if you think about it it, it, it is actually the, the in a way, if we all did this, the magic bullet to a lot of our like social ills. like Right. Right. We don't need the government Cultural. to do it. Yeah. 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 We don't need, you know, the, we don't need another check. Like, no, no, no. We can take care of our family and then our immediate family. Right. And so we have this weird, like, you know, we send old folks off to, 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 to homes, you know, and just kind of check out. And so in the scriptures, there's this beautiful, like almost welfare, like system within the family, within the family, yeah, within the family. It's not, it's not very Western. I think Western and and, and listen, some people, they need boundaries and they need to be very careful with living with in-laws because they're toxic. My mom doesn't drink anymore. She doesn't live with us, but my mom doesn't drink anymore. Um, and so she's in a much better place, uh, but yeah, being able to just like tell her like, hey, like, don't worry about it. Like, you have a debit card, and there's always money in this account, and wow. like, you can go to Didi's. Fat, my mom is super frugal and cheap too, so it's not like it's not like a lot of money. But like, her rent's covered, her food is covered. Go spend a little money here and there. Go wow, to man. Didi's fashion, you know. Um, and then yeah, so it's so so it's it's living out that verse, like it's really living out that passage, and saying like, if I have the means, I am responsible as the head, as the provider, uh, why, why would I want this state to take care of my family? Wow. Right? Well, I, I can take care of them. They're fine. That's and, awesome, man. And it and, and the springboards them into doing cool stuff. Like my, my niece just got a certification, and she's doing like, she's working at a um, skilled nursing facility. Mm-hmm. So she has like a, a career now, you know, which is cool. She came out of the foster care system. Um, like I said, my sister-in-law came out of prison in December. She's had a really rough testimony and so she's you know she's doing good she just applied for promotion at her job and so yeah it's cool it's it's challenging right because if again if you're not on top of that stress management that stress management bucket it can get tense yeah um so i'm by the grace of god have gotten better at the stress management side and i think now my therapist is like you go do fun stuff like you need to go do something fun like you know and i'm like all right fun okay what do i want to do for fun i don't have any hobbies like that you know mm. i like to go to the range and shoot um but yeah yeah so uh it's that's cool.
0: really cool though man that is really cool that's something i mean i know some. you know a lot of people ha- help with their family and different things to certain degrees but man it just sounds like you're going above and beyond and i love that you just have like a legitimate biblical basis for like this is what i'm supposed to do yeah and god's provided for you and that's really cool yeah so yeah. thank you for sharing all that with us um where can people find you if they aren't yet already following you? Or
1: Yeah, uh, just Ruslan, KD on all platforms. Usually if you search Ruslan on YouTube, I'm the first thing that comes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah you are. Yeah. You're big now. <laughs> I don't know about that.
0: <laughs> you have any music coming out? Yeah. Are you yeah, still doing the music? I, I don't song? know when
1: this drops, but there's a song called My God that I'm super excited about. And then we have a couple of things in a pipeline. I've been very fortunate to have a team that can help me, like, Across the YouTube stuff and then also in the music stuff and just having an engineer. I used to do everything myself. Yeah. like I used to be a DIYer, like every yeah. from the from the beats to the mixing to the album cover. Now yeah. we have the resources and the team to really spread that work out. And so the music stuff is like honestly, that's kind of the fun now. Like there's, okay. there's less
0: pressure. You do that for fun?
1: Yeah, like I do it and I put it out and people love it, but I'm not. I don't need to make a profit off of the music. I see. It's just I it's see. just fun.
0: So Ruslan, R U S L A N, and it, does it always have KD?
1: Can I ask what that stands for? King's Dream. That's the name of our parent company. Oh, okay. Live your life, like live, live your life, um, the the King's way, right? Okay. King, the God's ways for you to live your life His way. That's cool. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for your time. I wonder if, just in closing, would you be willing to say a prayer? Yeah. Just yeah, for yeah. anybody that's, man, there's so many areas of that you've been through in your life from your childhood, refugee. Father, I mean, abuse. There's a million So however you want to pray, I sure. know
1: people are going to resonate with many parts of your story. And uh, we'll just close that way. Cool. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this podcast and this conversation. And we thank you for all the people listening. And we pray for the people, wherever they're at and whatever struggle they're going through and whatever the circumstances are, um, that maybe this conversation will remind them uh, what we kind of opened with, which mm-hmm. is that... The only difference between success and failure is if you're standing on top of all Mm. the manure or if you're getting crushed by all the manure and so the people that are being crushed by life and all the struggle and the suffering and the issues i I pray that you would um give them a glimmer of hope and give them a tangible step that they can take Mm. to move in the right direction and all the pain all the suffering lord all the anger (laughs) <laughs> that it would be used as fuel. Yeah. It would be used as fuel. And and that they would be okay with using it as fuel. That they'd be okay with channeling that darkness into light. So, we thank you that you are the light. We thank you that you are who you say you are. And we thank you for this conversation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
0: Thanks, Ruslan. Yeah, Appreciate man. it. God, God bless you, everybody.